You know what? I've started yeah. doing that precise thing right now. I have started. I have, I've pushed. I've, I've, I've lifted the lever up that begins the process of recording uh, your call. Uh, so Skype is absolutely right. I am doing that, which is fun because uh, hello, everyone, this evening. Uh, we're, we're recording a. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing it. We're recording a rail natter. Um, it's episode 157. Why does the UK find it so hard to integrate transport modes? And on on with me is Martha Lauren. Martha, hello. Hello. You may remember me from the comments. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gareth reads out approximately everything that I say, even because if it's good, absolute nonsense. Because you're very good. No, you're very good inputs. You're you're very <laughs> very knowledgeable about this stuff. What I've been realising is that there's a there is a group of knowledgeable transport people who all are real actual chums with each other, and I've been slowly working my way through all of you as guests on Rail Letter. I'm not going to name yeah. any names, but there are. <laughs> I've been having different people messaging me saying who else from this crew are you targeting next and and <laughs> whose address book have you stolen uh, so yeah um anyway uh we we so that's that's the that's the fun uh, so we're very i'm very pleased to have, have you on martha we'll we'll chat properly to martha in a minute before we do that though obviously we have to uh actually two things the first thing i need to do is is, is do a refresh on on the page that has the um the covid statistics annoyingly they have the covid statistics have just updated on the day of recording which is the fifteenth uh, of February, yeah. um, although you're all seeing this exactly a month later, everyone. So hello, everyone. Hello, future chat. A month later, um, but uh, but you're not getting the COVID stats because uh, it's not a live one, so there's, there's no point. But th that'll be interesting to pick through those. I think in a week's time, in future everyone's time period. Let's not get too confusing. Time tra travel episodes get uh, always bore people. So. Um, before we do that, this episode is, of course, dedicated to the, uh, the, it's episode 157, so we're dedicating this to the class 157, which did not exist other than in the minds of Glaswegians, because uh, as some of the eagle-eyed might notice, this is not a post-train, it's, it's in the Strathclyde passenger transit, um, sort of orange, black and white livery, which is kind of a fun livery, actually, I quite like this one. Strathclyde red. Strathclyde red. Crucially, we can't say orange. You're right. Cannot uh, say orange red. because the uh, rightly the Catholics will get very angry if we call it orange. It is Strathclyde red. Yes, you're you're absolutely spot on. Um, so there it is. It looks kind of funky, actually. Um, yeah, not not. It's got a bit of a networker vibe to it, even though it it was a sprinter. It was based on the sprinter platform in theory, but uh, alas. Uh, we we hardly knew ye uh, R.I.P. to the never existing uh, 157 uh, here, but uh, yeah, fun little bit of weird sprinter lore for everyone. Um, right, enough of sprinter lore. Let's let's get cracking. Let, we, we'll speak to Martha momentarily. All it remains is for me to welcome all of you to um to this evening's rail hour. Welcome. <laughs> City 225 fades away. Ah, there it disappears. We uh, we jump forward to a, a slide full of chaos. Um, and more importantly, before we talk about this slide full of chaos, let us talk to Martha. Martha, hello! 
Oh, no, it's me in yeah. big face. It's you in yeah. big face. The two of us are in big face. Yeah, it's always fun to get someone who's been a long time watcher on the show because you know all of the weird idiosyncrasies of this ridiculous little show thing that I've been doing for like over three years now. Someone correct. I was like, oh, over two years. And they're like, uh, you know, 2023 minus 2020 is three years. And I was like, oh, no. three years. No, that's not. I'm an engineer, not an arithmetician. It is three years, golly. Um, Martha, so uh, I've rather kind of uh, mysteriously titled you as transport researcher, but tell us, tell us a bit about um, what you do and, 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 and what, uh, why, why transport fascinates you such. Yeah, so uh, I, oh, I have a degree in uh, geography and transport planning. That'll do it. And uh, I started off uh, for a brief time in road planning. Uh, there's lots of booms echoing around by yeah, well, yeah. well, exactly. Uh, but ultimately, I got into the healthcare sector uh, where I am at the moment. Had a hell of a last three years in that particular sector. So uh, maybe I end up somewhere else at some point. But uh, I've actually been taking into, you know, Remembering, I am actually a person that knows about transport. Yeah, absolutely, that can yeah. that can actually study that and write about that, and uh, and what I'm working right now. I've also done uh, a bit of work on wayfinding design. Uh, ah, interesting. Done some uh, work on on designing maps and such as well. Oh, which uh -huh. uh, both wayfinding and map making being sort of pet loves. Well, not pet loves deeply entrenched loves of uh of, of real matter um mm -hmm. uh, we, we enjoy both and actually both i mean both of those clearly tie very much into tonight's topic but also into the broader subject of like what makes good public transport which i suppose is kind of what that if we if we miniaturize our little faces um that's kind of what this this slide uh, people who watched kevin tennant's episode um a uh, while back talking about the permanence of the permanent way We'll remember these six factors of of public transport, right? So, so you have visibility, you have simplicity, integration. More on that in a minute. Uh, affordability, safety, and ownership. These kind of six factors, and and I'm not going to re retread them, but but one of them is the one we're going to going to pick on tonight, which is integrated transport. But, but I suppose we kind of have to answer the question: What is that? What is integrated? transport and, and you provided me um you gave me a, a, a gorgeous sort of visual representation of um of what integrated transport is which is a an, an artist's impression of what we now know as well actually no one knows as nexus because no one uses that name what we know is uh, as the tyne and weir um passenger transport executive sort of unified branding but tell us tell us about um integrated transport as a with, with this image and then we'll jump into kind of breaking it down into three elements next well integrated transport and the reason i came on i i need to actually talk about this <laughs> it's not always the best understood concept particularly here in britain uh it's often a buzzword right? yeah so the passenger transport authorities in british urban areas they were renamed in 2008 to integrated transport authorities but that didn't actually change anything at the time they still had absolutely no power to integrate bus networks into their rail networks yeah it's one of those classic uh, british policy things of uh we'll change the name 
and uh, that means that everything will work now without changing any of the legislative or funding framework underneath it. Classic. Yeah. yeah. And or it can be sticking plaster measures a lot yeah. of the time in this country. So often you can find a multi-operator daily or weekly ticket and those you know, cost a lot more than a day rider or whatever the local bus company calls its bus pass. Yeah. And they like to keep you on your toes by yeah. uh, having some incomprehensible name for it or a return ticket on the train. Uh, or you put in a few bus routes that go to the railway station and connect with rail. Or maybe you have some bike racks uh, at the railway station and some painted cycle gutters to get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Quite often there are a lot of sticking plaster solutions. Yeah. But I think. Yeah. So that. So I suppose. Yeah. There. Are, there's fundamental. There. There. Are, I suppose you. You. You've laid out for me in, in. In what is going to be hopefully a, a useful sort of graphic. Uh, there are three elements to integration, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that when you get into integration, you have a set of measures. And what they're all working towards is that you get a public transport system that's a network rather than a bunch of lines, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And where you can change vehicles and that isn't an ordeal, it doesn't add cost to the journey, and where it doesn't matter which government agency or private company actually runs the service, that doesn't matter to the user, and it doesn't matter too much to the user whether a given segment of the journey is on steel wheels or rubber tires, yeah. right? And here also rail, rail does matter for things like comfort on long journeys. It matters for capacity. And I'd say it matters if you already have an established rail line in place and people are using it. Uh, but it shouldn't actually matter in terms of whether the passenger can practically get to where they're going, right? Yeah, it's sort of a move. You know, they, that's the technocratic side of what's the most yeah. efficient way to provide the comfortable seat. Yeah. But it's not. But 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 that's a that's a technocratism. It's not yeah. actually relevant to the journey if you're providing the right overall journey solution, right? Yeah, and it's a technocratic thing where actually it it lends itself to integration because from the technocratic perspective, if you've got a load of people traveling in one direction, you want to get them on a train because that's the most efficient way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So of these three elements. The yeah. first, as I flashed up uh, moments ago, um, mm. is fares. So you, so, so you kind of in the three elements you've got. You've got fares. Actually, I'll put them all on screen, and we can because they all interrelate to each other, right? So there's yeah. fares, there's routes, as you've touched on, um, and then there's schedules. So these three elements: integrated fares, integrated routes, and integrated schedules that form yeah. a viable integrated transport system. Yeah. So uh, you have fare route and schedule integration and those are let's say tools in the toolbox yeah. of actually coming to that network and actually arriving at the kind of transport network where you can get from anywhere to anywhere right so fares wise you want free transfers between vehicles yeah. and that's a very uncommon thing in Britain other than yeah. well on the railway network to an extent if you buy a train ticket you can basically take whatever set of trains gets you from point to point but the norm on bus from most of the time is that you pay your fare it's for one vehicle it's for however far you go on that vehicle once you get off there's no yeah. taxis backsies that's it you're paying a new fare for the next thing that you hop on yeah yeah exactly uh but also in fair terms you know 
you preferably do not have any difference. You maybe have different fares based on how far you're traveling or zones you pass through or whatever, but it doesn't matter what kind of vehicle you're on. Yeah. Uh, it's just the same fare from A to B. Yeah. And that's like a critical element for people not having to... It's it's like trying to match up... You know, an element of this is, is trying to match up the psychology of, like, if I took the car, it's a, a psychologically a straightforward yeah. thing. I just get in the thing and it goes to the place. You kind of want that to be getting the thing, go to the place, to kind of be about as complicated as the public transport journey is, even if there is an interchange. And you want to make those interchanges as easy as possible. And, and fares can help, if, if wrong, if done badly, like they are in most of Britain, fares can disincentivize that. They can make that quite an annoying thing. The process of paying, not even the cost, but the actual process of getting your wallet out again and paying for another ticket and making, you know, all this stuff. And then that ties then, yeah. you know, that, that temporal element, um, which obviously ties in schedules, ties into routes as well. So, so, so kind of routes are an important part, a, a fundamental part of integration as well, right? Yeah. So you, you have your local transport routes, be they your local buses or uh, local rail lines or whatever. Those should normally do one of two things. Either they feed into your high capacity network at hubs, uh, again, that might be like uh, your railway line, preferably, or it might just be the main bus line, the trunk bus line. But either way, it either comes in and routes finish at an interchange station or indeed the routes inter sorry, intersect uh, the, the high capacity transport network. So you actually cut across several train lines on one route, for example. And then at various points on the route, if you're uh, going a bit further, you get off and you, you get onto rail, as opposed to what we have in, a lot in Britain right now, which is you have a bus network that's just competing with the yeah. train yeah, to get you into town. Yeah, right? it, it, it either ignores the railway network or worse, it actively shapes itself to compete with it rather than yeah. complement it. <laughs> like, like the absolute worst possible situation. And yeah, and then the point, the other thing you point out is that is that stations, hubs, halts, whatever it is, bus station, you know, across modes, whether it's bus, railway, tram, should be in the same place. You, you don't want you don't want to have the situation where Leeds, <clears throat> you have the main intercity railway station is a kind of irritating twenty minute walk from the bus station, which just makes zero sense whatsoever all kinds of places do this yeah uh, and bratford next to is that that's one exception unless yes. you're of course coming into the wrong railway station yeah, yeah. coming to the northern the railway station is tied together but <laughs> yeah. so often the bus station is on the other side of town and even italy which is a country that isn't always great with a lot of elements of transport integration. They kind of have these figured out. <clears throat> Nearly always the bus station in Italy is right next to the railway station. Yeah, and it's yeah. I just I'm just thinking of yeah, just the countless the countless examples. Actually, where I grew up in Aberdeen, Aberdeen was not too bad. The the bus station was kind of next to the railway station. I can't exactly remember what the new the new shopping centre did to that. I think it did it, it didn't didn't make it too much worse. But but you know, like most places in Britain, you go to. I, I, we've you know, uh, Lindsay Broadwell was on uh, Leicester. I think is like a dreadful example of this. It's, it's not even like a twenty minute walk. It's like they're on the other side, opposite ends of the CBD. Yeah, it's, it's like just just yeah absolutely classic 
British problem of, of just completely separate thinking on, on, on these two things. And then the last element, so we've got fares, we've got routes, and then schedules. You, you pointed out that schedules are the last key component in this integration, right? Absolutely. And, you know, to an extent, if you have high frequency on a lot of things, it somewhat negates the schedule uh, integration a bit in that if you're running everything on 10, 15 minute frequencies, then you, you can sidestep it a bit. You can do your best to integrate timetables, but changing vehicles is easy. But when you get down to 30 minute uh, hourly sort of schedules, you need actually routes that, that are going to connect actually have to be timed so that they do that. So that can mean timed connections in various places where you have the bus schedule set up so that it leaves five minutes after a different bus arrives or a train comes into the railway station. Or you have the TAC schedule, and that's something I'm, I'm going to talk about right after this slide. But I also wanted to put on there with the schedules, right, coordinated last trip times, yeah. in that one of, the, one of the things that really does make public transport sometimes feel like an unreliable experience and something you can't trust is that certain parts of your journey might sort of finish at nine, ten o'clock at night, if not earlier, and then you can arrive on the mainline train to the nearest station to where you're going, and then you're scuppered. Yeah. Because there's yeah. nothing to take you onward. The number of times I've had this with taking the last cross-country train from York to Birmingham which I do fairly often for very, like, relatively often for, for various things. And every single time I forget that you arrive into New Street at you know, nearly midnight, um, or actually, no, it's not even that. It's not even that late. It's like you, you arrive in at like maybe 11 o'clock and there is nothing. There's just, <laughs> just, just nothing, nothing. You just, that's it. You have to get a taxi. Anywhere you go, you have to get a taxi. A, a few small cities I've I've been to or lived in where the bus network it's just sort of winds down at about 10 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can actually coordinate these things. You can actually do things like what happens in Boston where on the uh, subway and light rail network drag me for saying like right uh, yeah but whatever you yeah, want to yeah. call their surface to subway yeah. tram it's a tram the answer is it's yeah, a tram yeah. but anyway those those lines all actually wait for each other to make yeah. connections uh, on the last trip at night so that's a thing where you know you're not going to be dumped before you reach your destination that's quite important yeah because yeah. trust that that trust that it comes back to permanence a bit like we were talking about with, with dr Tennant, right Permanence is really important. That trustworthiness of a system is really critical um, because that, again, it falls back to when you're taking the private car, you have a perception, particularly now cars are, you know, it didn't used to be the case because cars weren't that reliable. Now that cars are essentially 100% reliable, they're not, but to all intents and purposes, they are to, to, to their owners nowadays. You have, to, that, you have to match, public transport has to match that level of reliability. And if it doesn't, it's very different. You're not going to drive that modal shift, right? So we've... Uh, We've, with, with a pretty good explanation, we now have this fantastic graphic from uh, Marco Chitti, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Or Kitty, I think, because that's how uh, Sorry, CH yes, you're is right. still Forgive Italian. Me. Uh, I was doing bad <laughs> Italian there. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, he's he's worth a follow on Twitter, actually, if you look him up. But uh, that's yeah. why we've got all of these headings that are Italian and then an English translation. 
which adds to the aesthetic, I think. It's it, absolutely so. On here is, is an explanation. Use this as an explanation of of tact, right? Yeah. So if you see that thick black line, unless you're on audio only, and then well, we're never that good to you on rail natter, are we? No, we're not. Sorry, everyone but, on audio uh, only. We'll do our well, best. I'll, audio I'll try to describe as well as I can that <laughs> you've got this line running across. That at certain points, there is a point where the services in both directions uh, meet one another and that's your points of symmetry and then so say at half past the hour uh, the trains along this main regional line all meet in a given place and then all of your other routes that connect with it arrive about five minutes before that at about 25 past the hour and then they all leave again about half past the hour. And so everything actually connects with each other without too much of a wait. Yeah. And it, and then it cascades down, doesn't it? And you, you essentially cascade that down to the next level and to the next level and, and actually to as many levels as you like of, of the transport system, right? Well, exactly. I mean, if you're Switzerland, you do this basically nationwide. But, you know, the important thing is that, yeah, after having that first time connection, uh, if you're doing a half hourly mainline service, then 15 minutes down the line, you get another point at which the mainline trains pass and then you get another interchange point. And so you can do that in such a way that you can go local transport onto regional transport and then make your journey and get onto local transport at your destination and never actually have too much of a wait for connections. And it's and, and, and you can achieve that. There are a variety of ways to achieve this. One of them is, as you say, being, being very careful, prescribed and specific about um, timetables and, and scheduling. The other is to provide a reasonable level of frequency such that, that you never have that that kind of extended wait, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you actually try and put this into the real world well if you're switzerland you actually spend your money on rail system upgrades around that uh, that timetable goal mm. so that if a particular route misses the connection you upgrade the line and get it to its connection point quicker which but, is really clever we just have no strategic plan like that in the uk it's an example of a thing that irritates the heck out of me like that's a really good oh, way yeah to actually optimize the system it's by by thinking not about oh how can we you know shave 30 seconds off the off the the route because we believe that will create this much additional ridership based on a broken dft model it doesn't make any sense no no you go well actually in order to just provide the best system for its users we're going to have an inter an overall integrated uh, timetable if by design or by frequency and in order to achieve that these elements break it so let's fix those elements to make sure that they don't break it anymore and then as and then as you start f playing with frequencies improving frequencies then the more bits will appear as being a problem and then you can continue to fix those and you can keep doing that as your system drives greater ridership right it's a it's it, it's it's a no-brainer so obviously britain has no interest in even attempting it absolutely well the, the thing about britain of course is it's famously bad at doing the thing that everyone knows needs to be done yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially in infrastructure projects yeah. Yeah. we know what needs to be done and you know, there has to be 30 years worth of rounds of bidding for particular yeah. funding pots before it happens. Yeah. And then it gets cancelled. 
Uh, and then it gets cancelled yeah, after fan, all of that. Fantastic. So, yeah. and, but I do, I do have to emphasise that you don't necessarily always have to do it as well as Switzerland. You can still take opportunities uh, as to where your timetable makes it easy for all of your different services to meet and actually create the best possible time connections there. If you say you're looking at Hazelmere on the way from London to Portsmouth, there already you've got sort of trains from London to Portsmouth on the express train more passing about five minutes apart and just before and after they pass you've got the local train arriving there making uh, local stops on the way up to Guildford and that's a point where pretty much without having to change very much at all you could time the buses to make all of those three different connections <laughs> yeah yeah but again you have to be able to do the thing that everyone knows needs to happen. Yes, which we obviously cannot uh, do um, because then things would work and fundamentally we're not allowed to let things work no. in Britain. So yeah. that, that's that's tact. And actually, you know, tact is multiple episodes of its own. We talked about tact planning uh, before, but, we, but that's probably the most rigorous explanation of it. So th thanks, Martha, for that. A long overdue explanation of tact, which we could have done an entire episode on, to be honest. Um, maybe we get Marco on and, and Marco can further add to the explanations and, and, and provide more fun graphics because this is a very nice graphic explaining its mm -hmm. purpose. So mm -hmm. um, while I just try and hang myself on my lanyard, I probably should have taken that off before I did this. Um, so you've, yeah. you've provided an example of integrated transport in action or rather two journeys. Tell us about these two journeys and, and, and explain, explain, the, explain their um, relevance. Two journeys, yeah. These are, these are two journeys that I've made that I uh, plucked up and I just went on City Mapper to uh, actually show you and it, it came up with exactly what I did. So on the left, I've got a journey that I've made uh, for work where I've had to go from Bethnal Green uh, in inner East London to Roehampton in southwest London and it's a bit of a complicated journey but not actually that slow because the, all of the elements are fairly quick the central line into bank the waterloo and city line into waterloo and then the suburban train on the southwest and out to a barn station mm. uh, and or is that putney it gave me on the map it's one or the other and i can't remember what i did in real life but then you 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 have to get a bus to complete your journey and if you don't get the bus, you've got to walk about half an hour. But the, with that journey, it wasn't too slow. It was a heck of a faff. And the fare that, that you pay for that is more than six pounds. Yeah, yeah. And the reason that the fare is that is because you've, you've got your basic zonal rail fare in the London fare system. And then when you change in London Waterloo from Tube to National Rail, that within the oyster fare system bodges something like one pound fifty on top of there, uh, because when National Rail got incorporated into the oyster card system, for a long time you couldn't use oyster pay as you go with National Rail at all. But when it got bodged in there, then there was going to be some revenue that the National Rail system lost if it was simply, you know integrated into the zonal fares. So to make up for the revenue from National Rail users buying a second ticket when they entered London or buying the very costly paper travel cards, they just bodged 
an extra fee <laughs> onto the zonal fare so that everyone was happy and, and the accounts looked fine. So then you get that your rail fare for not really that far, only a few miles, that gets you up to about £4.50. And then you pay another £1.65 now to, yeah. to get the bus. And that's not an integrated fare at all. And when you get a return journey, when you come back, if you make the same return trip, you do end up on a travel card cap. And then that's all included. But the travel card caps in London are something like 7 to 12, even £13 pounds at this point. So that is, that is quite a big ask. In it's terms a lot of, of money for a day's travel when you compare yeah. it to other places, right? Yeah, and in fact, I'll probably touch on this a bit later too, but because we're very used to fleecing rail commuters from suburbs and towns into city centres, and a lot of the way that revenue is managed on Britain's rail network is that we get a huge amount of money in from commutes, except we don't get so much anymore because the commute into the centres of town is is not what it used to be. Certainly but, not in London, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that means that all of these like multimodal uh, daily tickets or weekly or monthly tickets, they, they're all very expensive. Mm. And so if I'm actually trying to affordably travel, I'm trying to do it by either making single fares on just one mode. And a lot of people, if you're of modest means in London, you're probably trying to make as many journeys as you can just on bus, even if that is a really slow way to get around. And particularly with some of the bus cuts that have happened. There's this thing that, that, that hasn't yeah. been talked about a huge amount by us, us transporty folks, but actually some of those, I mean, bus cuts across the UK are horrendous at the moment, but I suppose one of the frustrations of seeing it happening in London is that London has a good public transport system and undermining that is frustrating. It's like that's the one area where it is all working pretty well. Yeah. As we said, it's expensive. It's not perfect, but it does work pretty well by comparison to the rest of the country. And cutting those bus routes, cutting some of those bus routes um, has impacted a lot on those people who do stick to the bus because they know it's it's cheaper in there and they don't want to be reaching that expensive daily cap every day. So you next can to tell it, you I'm a... like one step above there on the class ladder in the sense that if I'm traveling a long way across town, I don't try and stick to bus, but I do try and stick to rail. I try and walk further. Uh, from the railway station rather than switch to bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to play that game where I try and do one mode of travel to try and uh, end up with two single fares that are less than a day pass would be. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, on the other side, the other we've side. got a journey that I made in Berlin, and I've realised I'm I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of Wedding. Oh, uh, Wedding. Uh, Vading. Yeah, uh, for Vading. audio only, it's it's spelt like wedding, but it's not. It's nothing to do with uh, yeah. with wedding. Oh, is it double D as well? I can't see because the lines Vading. are top of there. But yeah, I, I, it's it's probably Vading. Yeah. I don't know. Some German in the audience is getting mad. Yeah. Fortunately, when we're on pre-record, so we don't have it going. Yeah, with the, the, the chat is not that we can't see you chat now yeah. because you're all happening in the future. Um, <laughs> You no, that's nice. You're, you're getting yeah. so you're getting a you're getting a journey from uh, Zeestrasse. Uh, to uh, to Kerpenich, yeah, which yeah, is Kerpenich. this wonderful place actually, uh, in the east of the city, and it's this like Disneyland old East German town, 
come retirement uh, retirement community yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of the demographics of who actually lives there. Uh, Berlin's weird. The, uh, the, 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 the recent Well, There's a Problem podcast on Berlin reminded me how weird a place Berlin is. I, I used to go to Berlin fairly frequently because I, I like it as a city for all sorts of reasons, but it's a weird city. It's, it's a weird city, but this is another journey in which I start on the U-Bahn uh, and then and the centre of Illai change onto the S-Bahn, yeah. which is the suburban railway service that's run by the nationalised Deutsche Bahn, but is very much a part of, of, of Berlin's that. overall yeah. transport system. <laughs> and, and it takes pains to really be a part of that that mm. complements the U-Bahn. And then when I get off the U-Bahn, I have various options there on City Mapper that you can see, but they're all basically the same. They're a question of taking the first tram that comes yeah. uh, when I arrive at that station. And it, City Mapper spits out various different options because they turn a corner in the centre of Kerpenick, so they serve slightly different stops. But basically, I hop onto any tram I want, and that is just a single fare that I pay. That's three euros that I pay. And, and it's quite a contrast. You know, that's half the price. Uh, the journey is, it's a longer journey. You know, it's a longer journey you've taken. So you're, a longer journey, lower price. Um, as, as the same number, sorry, one fewer changes, which is yeah. interesting as well. Um, yeah. Uh, and what's more, another thing I could actually do uh, if I go on advanced level, is skip a few stops in that journey. If a regional train is coming along that east to west railway spine that my S-Bahn travels along, maybe I can actually uh, hop on that regional train and get there a bit quicker. Ah, and again, yeah. it's included in that ticket. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. so, so that's so, so, uh, so an interesting comparison. So, so, so the, your conclusions of the comparison between these two. Like, what does this, what, how does this, because in, in the UK, we do think of London's transport system as being integrated, but on that comparison with Berlin, what, what, what can it tell us? Well, in comparison, because London is about the best it gets, and London in Britain is often people say, you know, this is the city where they get it right, and this is what the North can't have. But yeah. th there are things we're not doing in London, and nor is Berlin a perfect transport city, uh, but it does manage to actually uh, get that thing right, which is that everything is part of the urban transport network. Yes. There is no question that all of these modes of travel are part of the same network. Yeah, there's no euphemism of like, well, yes, it is part of the Oyster system, but you're paying a pound fifty or pound ten surcharge. It's like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, they're, they're, and also it's interesting because it talks about what i think the ideal situation is when we've talked in the past about branding and and, and management structure of, of of the ideal rail network in the uk and i talk about mm. devolution of the system to the city regions this is kind of a good example of that because it, it's very much deutsche bahn who run the s-bahn but they but the, you know and, and you can see the the equivalent of the double arrow would be there but it's very much berlin's system you know it's it's very much that 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 system um, yeah, right. I shall press us forwards. Um, shall we press have to us talk forward. about Glasgow and Philly. Yes, Glasgow and Philadelphia. As we know, they are the same city. Same city. Yep. Yeah, and <laughs> they, and they both in their transport networks, they have a line that is called the subway and is coloured orange. 
Mm. And in addition to the line that is called the subway and is coloured orange, there's also two lines that run east to west across the city centre. And in Philadelphia, one of those is like the subway, part of the city's rapid transportation network. And the other of those two lines is called the regional rail. Yeah. And that is actually, and this is something that a lot of American cities don't do well in integration terms. That's, you know, treated as mainline rail. It has high fares, it runs a complex service pattern and it doesn't run very frequently. It's got, mo most of the branches run about every hour. And you can get bits of the core, you get like service every 15 minutes or so, but it's not great compared to what we just saw in Berlin, where you've got the S-Bahn and then the mainline regional barn trains running at really, really high frequencies and accepting the same fares as urban transport. And in Glasgow, both of those east to west lines, so the Argyle line that goes through Glasgow Central low level and the North Clyde line that runs through Glasgow Queen Street low level, in, in Glasgow case, both of those lines are treated as mainline rail. And again, that they're, they're a bit better uh, pound for pound than the regional rail in, in Philadelphia area, I would say, but still, th none of the service patterns on those are running more than uh, every half hour. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because th when you go down into either Glasgow Queen Street or Glasgow Central Low Level, you do suddenly have a bit of a, oh, it feels a bit European. You know, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's heavy, it's like big trains, electric, and the frequencies yeah. aren't okay yeah as you say they're not they should be quarter hourly they 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 aren't but they, but it still feels like a good service and you're like this could be more uh, there are several major pinch points partick hindland is is one of the big ones um, yeah they reverse branch there the, the, the two lines merge so that means you only have half capacity on both but frankly they're running at a quarter capacity actually they're running half as many services as you could run so yeah. it's not a huge priority no uh, but but you know a massive opportunity. I like the fact that there that the um, I don't know whether this is deliberate design or otherwise. I like the fact that the the two east west so the Market Frankfurt line and the and the re, the, the green sort of um, suburban rail, if you like, in Philly are the same colours as the um, the Argyle and uh, as as the two kind of east west lines in in Glasgow. Um, yeah, the North Clyde and the Argyle I'm lines. I clearly didn't audio describe well enough because that green line in Philadelphia is actually. The again trams trams. Well, of course that go it is. The, it's, it's the trolleys. In, of course it is because that's how that, I get to Ross's house. Yes, good point. That is how you get apparently to to Ross's house uh, <laughs> or just about anywhere in West Philadelphia. But it's that grey line that actually. Uh, yeah, you're right. Forgive me. That, it's the grey line, line that is you know, New Jersey Transit and other stuff that's going on. Yeah, up to all the Welsh, the weird Welsh stuff that they don't pronounce correctly. That's that's over in kind of northwest. Um, Northwest Philly, which I found interesting. I was going to try and pronounce some of the Welsh stuff, but actually, they're, they're pronounced neither logically in a phonetic not English speaker's way or logically for a Welsh speaker. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're neither. Yeah. yeah, I was confusing people That's by pronouncing things in the correct Welsh way. They were like, what What are the words that you're saying to us? This doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, sorry. So, you're right. Of course it is. Yeah, the green there is um, 
Uh, I do like the fact that the green and the uh, the green and the green are both similar in these two maps. I, I, is it possibly by design or possibly entirely coincidental? Well, are these your maps? Or I did make both of these maps. Although uh, actually, the Philadelphia one is based upon what uh, is actually the colours Scepter trying to standardise on in their yeah, yeah. wayfinding. I'm quite pleased with how much redesign, of... which I had a little input into. Ooh. Uh, Martha, you, I, I like the fact that you have your thumbs in many pies. This is this is, this is good. I, I, I'm also very pleased at how much of uh, Philly's transit system I did uh, ride on in my short time I was there. That was tremendous fun. Uh, shout out to Philadelphia and my uh, kind hosts and and tours uh, tour guides. I, I had a good time. Anyway, right. So uh, anyway, Glasgow, Philly. so both of them actually have the infrastructure to be running like this absolutely brilliant urban mm. rail system in which they actually have more underground lines than people would say they do now mm. glasgow essentially has three subway lines yeah. but they only call one the subway and again so if you actually have a properly integrated system you, you have just expanded the entire transport network without building a thing yeah yeah which is really the big point to take from the the, the glasgow and philadelphia examples Again, right now, um, so in Philadelphia, the regional rail is at a high fare. And again, based on fleecing commuters, which they can't even do now because there aren't that many commuters into city centre offices left. But in Glasgow, the fare is, is fairly reasonable, but it's still a totally different fare from the subway. It's still different tickets unless, again, you get a quite costly uh, combined ticket. It's, yeah, it's, it, yeah. I, I think, I, the Glasgow, particularly Glasgow, which is a, a you know, it's a city that I, I know pretty well, I enjoy travelling around, it does, it does have the best suburban rail network outside of London. You know, yeah. it has, it has a really good suburban rail network. It's better than, uh, better than Manchester. I'd, I'd say it's better than Liverpool, even, and Liverpool has a really good suburban rail network as well. You know, it, it has a near, a near, a near fully segregated, dedicated sort of, um, sort of suburban rail system. But, but yeah, as you say, it just isn't quite there, and the the, the lack, of, in a way, it almost feels like a backward step that they that they reintegrated the branding of the of the the, the ScotRail services from from being an SBT colours back to ScotRail colours. Yeah, the suddenly what? blue ScotRail trains instead of actually anything that says, "Hey, I'm part of Glasgow's transport." Yeah, network. very strange, very baffling decision that I don't quite understand why that call was taken but in a way i suppose yeah. you know they, they need the, the, ideally the spt stuff would have been integrated oh, anyway yeah a really weird choice i don't quite understand why that was why that choice was made but anyway um, now here is one of the big differences between the two cities because in philadelphia the bus system is actually integrated as part of the same system yes as the subways and again you pay one fare you can transfer between the two and what you can see in key, Philadelphia, again, have here. unless no. you're on audio only, you can see these thin uh, dark green lines on the map, which are the frequent bus routes, just yeah. the, the high frequency ones on there. And actually, many of Philadelphia's busiest, most productive bus lines aren't the ones that go into the centre of town, though there are quite a few of them, but they're routes that run across the grid yeah. and intersect with different railway lines so that they can actually get you a two-seat ride all over the place 
a huge amount of the city can be done with one change because you can change from a north to south line to an east to west line and and so that's the sort of thing you can do with bus if you are actually coordinating the network properly and if it's actually working as one network indeed and uh, what we talked talk briefly um thinking on london london one major thing that London does, and, and it was ahead of the rest of the world, I believe, I have to be correct on this, I believe ahead of the rest of the world was um, contact, using your own, con you know, essentially um, removing the need for Oyster, or yeah. they, I mean, not removing the need for Oyster because not everyone can get a card, but the, the ability to use your contactless bank card on the system and, and, and have all the benefits that if it was an Oyster card, that that's a step up but the the frustrating thing is lots of places glasgow included have been trying to reinvent the wheel and they have the they have a card that kind of doesn't work and, and that you have to top up it's a bit of a faff it's like no no everyone skip the card now or at least the card fine is a bit of an add-on but just prioritize using contactless because that you can just buy that technology off tfl <laughs> tfl hold the license just buy it off them they'll, yeah. they'll it's they, they pay they charge competitively or probably less competitively since the recent changes in their funding model but anyway just buy it off tfl they've done the hard work <laughs> just I'm buy it say, make some kind of anonymous fair payment medium available i think that's an important thing to yes. have but uh, but yes, make absolutely. Yeah, anonymous and, and the ability have. for people who don't have a big complicated bank you know access to a bank you know people who don't have the ability to do that should also be able to travel that's really important yeah. um but for the vast the the, the, the high the huge volume of travelers they can do it with contactless these days and and and, and just buy that system off tfl everyone yeah. um, so we i am i meant to be here about 20 minutes ago this is this is going very rail natter uh, it is going it is going very real now. right okay right we i shall i'm doing a bad job as a host of pressing us on but it's because it's interesting martha and we're enjoying chatting but i think the next <laughs> yeah. stuff i think we will make progress through the 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 next stage uh, a little more rapidly i think which is um how did we get here um uh for audio only listeners you can see david byrne here asking the question how did we get here yes. how did we get yes. here um so uh, we're back looking at time and we're metro again or rather the time we're passenger transport executive branded stuff uh, actually you know what i'm going to do i'm going to brief i'm going to just slide this to one side uh, mm -hmm. and and yeah. do this so that people can see the the because the whole thing is is nice to it's nice for everyone to see the yeah. the, the whole not, picture not my face the bus stop. there we are it's very nice mm -hmm. anyway sorry so um tell us to how do we get here tell, tell us martha how do we get here and this is a bit of a potted history of uh, how we got here in Britain, which I'm hoping to pot more aggressively than I, I, I originally <laughs> intended to pot to get us back on schedule here. But uh, basically, as the Second World War is ending, what we have is a transport system made up of corporation bus and tram networks. We have regional bus networks, and then we have the rail system run by the big four. And those are all kind of running as separate fiefdoms uh, and often really not getting along with each other. Yeah. None of them like each other, right? Even though a lot of those regional bus systems are actually under a large uh, motor bus conglomerate called the Tilling Group. And the big four all have a load of shares in that group, which dates back to them buying out bus companies to suppress competition in the 20s. They <laughs> bus People had come home having trained as tank mechanics in the war. They started their own bus companies. They started uh, competing with the railways. So the railways bought them out, but then- You can't uh, beat them, buy them. 
yeah, but then they all sold them out to this big bus com conglomerate because the, the rail managers didn't want to be bothered running buses, did they? <laughs> so, but what it means is that when British Rail is nationalised in 48, yep. I want to say, that uh, they gain the Tilling Group bus companies. And in the good timeline, this becomes the foundation of a whole integrated national network. Oh. Like, uh, I think... Austria and the Netherlands do things in an almost nationwide kind of way. Could have been us. Yeah, could have been us. Could have been us. Um, but as you mentioned in a previous episode, Gareth, right, British rail management kind of ends up being a bit of a continuation of the culture of the big four. Uh, what's more, the government had higher ambitions of nationalising buses as a whole. And... So when they lost to the Tories in 51, you have a lot of these bus companies under state ownership under a state holding group, but they're still kind of being run by the bus managers while the railway is being run by railway managers, which is like basically the constant of what transport looks like in Britain, yeah. right? Uh, but Harold Wilson becomes prime minister in 1964. And well, like, okay, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep doing nationalisation. And so... At that time, the transport ministry goes to a formidable woman named Barbara Castle, the OG girl boss, Barbara Castle. The OG, yeah. Who uh, was very much left of the Labour Party and uh, really takes the transport job, even though at the time she thought it was a bit of a consolation prize, you know. As we know, no one wants transport in this country. They want uh, treasury. They want home office. Yeah. But... Among other things, what Barbara Castle does, she actually braved the ire of the motoring lobby and she introduced national speed limit and she introduced breathalyzer tests. And before that, on Britain's roads in the 40s, you could just get as drunk as you wanted, drive as fast as you wanted, and everyone's granddad swore that they drove better after a few pints. Yeah, that was fine. It, get smashed. Yeah, absolutely. Car. Yeah, I'm. Fine. I'm sure I had all the relatives that that said that. Oh, I, I drive much better. Yep, you just got smashed. Oh you drove God. as fast as you wanted. Uh, but in terms of public transport, she had a big idea, which was to actually nationalise buses and do it under regional transport agencies, which would also coordinate with other modes of transport. And again, Britain had the chance to be the first at this. Uh, and under Barbara Castle, we did kind of get that in major urban areas. We got the passenger transport executives. We got those in what Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds, Newcastle, Glasgow. Have I missed anywhere? Mm, no, uh, no. I think that's it. That is it. Yes. In those major areas, they got the passenger transport executives and the passenger transport executives actually have a lot of power over the local rail network in those regions which is terrible at the time yeah it is mostly clapped out regional trains running hourly or I've just, so i've just uh, finished writing a piece that, that for, yeah. for a future rail magazine actually and i and, and the, a, a long read version of it with more detail will go up on, on medium at some point where i explore this um that 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 probably the biggest crime that beaching klaxon alert um <laughs> did was not his rural railway impact it was actually what he did for suburban rail capacity because he essentially dis hand-wavingly dismissed the idea of suburban rail capacity outside of london as essentially a loss-making waste of time that should yeah. be got rid of um and and that's i would argue that was his biggest mistake not 
the impact on rural railways as 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 you point out 100 percent, they were bad and the, the cuts made them worse yeah, yeah pretty much but the pts they also get direct operation of their local buses in their regions so they actually do kind of get to work trying to stitch these networks together and because local rail is so bad it's not that fast of a process because they actually need something that's worth buses connecting with yeah. and mostly they don't really have it at that point yeah, yeah. but anyway outside of these urban areas when it comes to regional transport um another large bus conglomerate uh -huh. called british electric traction who grew up out of motorizing tram lines hence hence british electric traction was still its name they sold to the government in 1968 and so the government's like, well, it looks like we have more or less all the buses. We don't need to faff around with this regionalization and devolution. We have a more politically expedient path to bus nationalization. And we just bodge it all into the National Bus Company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, they are now Rent-A-Kill, everyone. BET, now part yes. of Rent-A-Kill. Yeah, um, I think we've got the next slide. Yes, next is, slide. Uh, so... Um, Oh yeah, we, yeah we, that we was these that was there. the PTEs who who ran their own own service, and then the slide after this indeed is we've got a Leyland National Run by the National Bus Company with uh, the I double N of the National Bus yeah, Company with yeah. a beautiful double N logo, which I think is lost in the re resolution of this. But uh, I guess audio only people are coming out laughing now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they, they can be all smug. And as you see, yeah, so that's two road-based pacers that everyone has witnessed there, because of course those two, are Leyland yeah. National Buses. Road-based pacers. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, in Greater Manchester, you've got th this interesting uh, orange and white bus, and they're all doing their own interesting colour schemes. And then the National Bus Company can't decide on a green or red. That's a green one. And it's all kind of bodged into this. Basically, what this means is that on on regional bus, on anything outside of those big metropolitan areas, we've just kind of kept the situation we were in before, yeah. where Blakey from On The Buses and yeah. his superiors are still the ones running buses. Yeah, no change. None yeah. of the things that we've just talked yeah. about. They, 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 arguably the opposite of the case. The thing that has changed is the thing that nobody cares about, which is the management, which is the control, which is the ownership. The stuff that people do care about, The yeah. all the points that we've described in terms of integration, no, no change to those. They're the same. <laughs> They're the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we take the next slide... Hope. Newcastle and Tyneside have been, over the 70s, converting their local rail network into something good. They're converting it into the Metro, which has these new underground tunnels in the centre of Newcastle. And, and what they then do when that opens in 1980 uh, and over the next few years fully opening up, they completely change their bus network and all of those routes now connect with the metro so that instead of having a load of congestion where a load of old diesel buses are belching particulates into the center of newcastle and they're holding each other up yeah. on the roads into newcastle they arrive at the metro station and the metro is carrying huge volumes of people yeah. into town and it's doing this for i think it was at the time 
50-something million people a year at its peak of this integrated uh, bus and metro network. And then, and then, and then. we get Margaret Thatcher. Uh-uh. We get Margaret Thatcher, and I was going to do a slide, but I was like, no, yeah. we are not getting her face, no, her uh, face as a slide. Can, cannot, it can stay away from our slides. Uh, we're going to keep looking at the nice Calvert type face oh, up here instead. Uh, Thatcher kills it. In 19, I think it was either 85 or 86, we get busty regulation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think what, possibly the legislation yeah. in eighty five and then and then it happened in eighty six or it might have just been the whole lot happened in eighty six yeah something like that anyway deregulation uh, yeah by the way my God I just noticed on this like that at the top of Tyne and Weir County Council was marketing itself in the eighties as a nuclear free zone yeah that's, that's that was observation yeah. with with some there's some powerful. Uh, typeface vibes going on here because there's there's a Helvetica based uh, typeface at the bottom for yeah. the transport, but at the top, yeah. uh, it's like just just vigorous uh, late seventies, early eighties rounded square typeface vibes. It's so good. Oh, it's just yeah. There's a lot going on, and then the nuclear free yeah. zone. Nuclear free just, zone. Just, it's threads, yeah. just threads vibes going on here. Cold War era. So I'm, again. Yeah. This is why I'm overrunning on this thing, right? But Thatcher kills it, and deregulation is really quite an ideological yeah. and radical kind of privatisation, because the decision is that the bus network, no, there is no coordinating body that's going to decide what buses run and where. Bus companies decide. They run the buses they like. They have to run safe buses they have to tell the traffic commissioners what their route's going to be but above that it's basically all in the hands of what com bus companies want to do local authorities and passenger transport executives can't have their own bus companies they also are not permitted to subsidize fares unless people are are either under 18 or i think it was over 60 uh, they can subsidise pensioners, but no one else. Yeah, classic. And so this is obviously the system then where you have to make the combined bus and rail ticket uh, a really expensive product because they have to offer that as a commercial product. Yeah. And it has to end up coming as a premium over whatever the bus company's charging. And they can subsidise routes, but only where there isn't a commercial alternative. So Newcastle's integrated network in the bin because Gone. getting everyone all the way to the city centre on a slow local bus it isn't good for overall network efficiency right like you can talk about efficiencies but fundamentally you've got a system where it's much cheaper and more economical to get, get a load of people into town behind one driver on a high capacity train and this is this comes back to our tires versus steel point right? yeah is, is this is where yeah. the technocratic element it shouldn't matter the passenger doesn't care so long as their journey is smooth but their journey is made smooth by the fact that the most effective uncongested clean way to get them into the the core of the city is on steel behind you know within a metro car uh, on the metro um but that's not a decision you can make anymore gone that's just not a decision. Yeah. And so, yeah, while getting everyone to town on the local bus is bad for overall network efficiency, bad for journey times, but it's great for the bus company if it wants to have the highest market share and the most revenue. Yeah. Right? 
So, and this is kind of where we got and where we at with kind of bus service everywhere. We got trams in Manchester. We got tunnels underground for suburban trains crossing Liverpool. Mm. And those were, again, great modern networks that should have been integrated with buses and we could have had a great transport system a world-class transport system in all of those cities uh, likewise when they electrify the cross city line in birmingham but we don't we get those nice new railways and then a load of old buses so just just all of the potential mm. benefits that could have been released by uh, not doing deregulation deregulation wrecks everything it's yeah. interesting that so that so um with greater manchester and uh west yorkshire passenger transport executives having uh part bankrolled or entirely bankrolled the pacers for their mm -hmm. suburban <laughs> rabbit ears um, yeah. uh services uh greater great uh, rather um west midlands uh so brum looked at those and went Oh no 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 no! Uh, we're electrifying, and then they electrified. Um... <laughs> it's like, well, again, going back to Philadelphia, they they tried a pacer once, and they, they did. said, yeah, absolutely not, absolutely not, never again. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, not absolutely. doing this again. Like, no, we've got trolleys. If we wanted to put trolleys on the main line, we put a trolley on the main line. We don't need to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um. Yes. The next question then becomes, so we've had the mess of deregulation, which ruined yeah. everything and spoiled everyone's party. What can be done and what is happening? These are our big questions. What can be done and what is happening, Martha? Yeah, so, Firstly, so I'm going to step for a moment to bits of Europe because during the 60s, the 70s, the 80s and through to the 90s, you have a lot of Europe and particularly Germany and its neighbours creating and consolidating regional transport agencies uh, that actually do create pretty well integrated transport networks over wide areas. Like the the agencies that uh, Barbara Castle wanted, that that sort of ends up happening mm. in, in a lot of Europe. Not all of Europe and nowhere's quite perfect. And there are certain shortcomings you get like cross-boundary travel is often a bodge uh, yeah, we talked about Germany. that a little bit in terms of europe in in, in yeah in the uh, in the episode a few a few a few episodes back talking about quite a few episodes back talking about the, the european challenges across borders but that works regionally as well similar challenges right oh absolutely i mean one of the bodges that kind of works okay is that uh, your intercity rail ticket tends to include local transport when you get to your final destination but uh, you know they they basically do an okay job at this but this is all starting in the 60s this is not something they were automatically good at yeah. this is something that actually changes had to happen uh, changes had to happen politically uh, and we actually we they did the work yeah. to to create those agencies yeah but yeah cross-boundary travel often a bodge also, Germany, among others, tend to make intercity trains an entirely separate domain. Mm. So if you look at like, if you're going from Leeds to Wakefield or Manchester to Stockport, for example, you can just hop on an intercity train on normal ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that means that those trains, which haven't yet filled up on their way down to London, are just basically free capacity down there. And whereas when there was some disruption 
in Germany a couple of times. I've been there. One time I hopped on an intercity train. I, d I just assumed on a short journey I wouldn't get caught. But if I, I, I figured I'm going to argue that, no, I need to make a connection to this international train that I need to catch. Uh. I, I just, I, I can't be taking... Did uh, they get you? They didn't, actually. Oh, I didn't oh, end up having to have an argument. You, you but... evaded the Germans. Uh, Abs yeah. Absolutely, I did. And another time, I did actually go up and talk to the conductor, and they said, no, get on the train. And then I said, talked about this journey to the German friends I was visiting, and they said, oh, but, but didn't you go to the ticket office and buy another ticket and then get them to put a stamp on it and then mail the ticket to Deutsche Bahn and get Deutsche Bahn to introduce... Uh, no, no, I just chatted to the conduct. Yeah. <laughs> it's 90% of ticketing issues. Yeah. Uh, that is still basically the yeah. German system of, of yeah, yeah. like, yeah, it's things go wrong. And it's like, the, it's a good example of things that we do pretty well in, in, in the UK yeah. or in GB is, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, delay repay instantaneously going into your bank is quite nice. Yeah, but, but as I say, Britain does at least coordinate every part of its rail network and do a lot of anywhere to anywhere ticketing. Other European countries can be a bit poor on that. So it's not all roses in Europe. Absolutely. Um, but... but also, so you've got all of these integrated fares. Your fare has absolutely no difference on bus, tram, metro, train. And the slide I've, I've put on here is the Rhein-Neckar, which I might also be butchering pronunciation-wise, but that's its ridiculous network yeah. of fares. But, and, and all of these weird, weird zones where you pay for the number of zones you pass through and it does look a bit weird, but it does mean there is a mode neutral fare from anywhere to anywhere based on zones rather than anything else. And also, you can put whatever front end you like on this. All of these things, you can just have a journey planner where you say where you're starting, you say where you're going, and it actually outputs what the fare is. So you need to understand these things sort of if you want to go, you know, advanced level for optimizing what you can do to to maximize a particular ticket you hold but there's some yeah. there's some crap i'm just working my way to give people to talk about where we are we're, we're talking about yeah like um so the cities uh, the towns and cities in within this area so it's eppingen uh leufen uh neckarsulm uh, heilbronn uh yeah. what is that uh uh, uh uh fortenberg uh krautheim waldenburg yeah. Yeah, lots of all these uh, Künstlersaal, lots of these wonderfully German place names. I just wanted an excuse to go through a oh, variety. Of oh, it's wonderful! But yeah, we are talking like a couple of hours at least of regional train travel from one one yeah. end to the other. This quite is quite a big a area. Big this area. is a large and, area, uh, and, yeah, and actually, it's yeah. a good allegory for what could exist across the the sort of um, the North Pen, you know, the, the kind of the mid Pennines, if you like. It could exist between Manchester, Bradford. Uh, it could indeed exist from Liverpool right the way across to Hull, in fact. Exactly. And again, we get ahead of ourselves because we, we, we ramble. But <laughs> yeah, uh, if you look at Swiss transport, again, it's not that good in the 80s. Mm. It's it's not that great. It's a network of sort of weird bits of railway line through the mountains, which like many railway lines through the mountains tend not to be very good. Uh, they actually made the choice in the 70s and 80s to actually create that integrated tact timetable and you have to put the work in folks you, it, it, you do put the work in. 
by magic. It was it was only 1989 that you got the Zurich Verkehrsverbund, and that was the first agency that actually integrated buses uh, across the region into the tacked Farplan schedule. Uh, so the railways were running and they were meeting at certain points on the hour and the half hour or whatever. And in 89, Zurich uh, metropolitan areas started actually making their buses connect with it. Uh, and that's that's kind of how we got there. But now we can go on and look at Manchester right now. Here we go. And here we have here we the, are. The, the potential happy future question mark. <laughs> no, no, we're really going hexagonal on these two slides. Big time. Very hexagonal pair of slides. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so in 2017, I think it was, I'm not 100%, we got a bit of legislation in which it actually you got the power to franchise buses in the way you do in London, mm. where if you were a mayoral combined authority, that is uh, an urban region like Greater Manchester, and soon also going to be Newcastle, uh, in which you have an elected mayor much like London does, then after a load of bureaucratic faffing, wow, where so you have much. to do all sorts of studies and kind of determine that buses aren't working along the same very narrow lines that we have the conversation in Britain around, you know, outcomes of what is the quality of the bus to town. Never mind that when we only talk about the bus to town, we are giving up on about 90% of yeah. trips that people are making, right? But you go through all of this, this faff, and Manchester has managed it. They 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 have control of of their bus network, and they have started painting it yellow. They have this very lovely B network branding. It's lovely, yeah. And yeah, they're going to yellow the hell out of all the public transport or as much of the public transport as they can within and, Greater Manchester. It's great. And crucially, if you read the documentation they put out during the 2010s, they really are going for pursuing integration. They're doing it one step at a time where the first thing has been getting rid of the bus operator boundaries. Mm. So ticketing is uniform across all the buses. I think they plan over the next couple of years to bring in trams and then to bring in uh, their local rail services so that this is in, in the way of, of what you find in other countries, like in the Berlin example, I said, actually a fully integrated network. It's it's hope. It's one of those hope situations. You know, the, the right things yeah. are happening, and, and I really hope it doesn't get torpedoed by by anyone. I, I still have the question of like, yeah. what is the point of franchising? But you know, baby steps. <laughs> you can ask. I think the thing is that a lot of the European countries that are quite good at it have so much weird privatization stuff. Yeah. where various things are operated by different countries and and local trains are competitively tendered and yada 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 but it is at least mostly under the hood there yeah i was right? gonna say the main thing is to at least those, those are battles you can have but yeah. put them to yeah. one side where they aren't changing the service people are perceiving or or, or uh, ideally uh, uh, the impact is minimal but this That's is this it. is this hope so yeah. it can happen and is happening but it's as you say it's it's administratively and 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 and, and still kind yeah. of to an extent legislatively laborious right it's it's, and, it's, a, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a painful process and like i say it's only a thing so far that these uh, urban regions mm. with elected mayors have the power to do and 
there, and there are a few difficulties that Manchester's going to have and other areas are going to have. One of them is, is the fact we rely on fair revenue so much mm. in this country. And we really have a culture of, well, a trains fleecing peak commuters, privatised local buses fleecing absolutely everyone. Yeah. And also on just in terms of management culture, the expectation that people will pay a fare that covers exactly the type of journey that they're making. And culturally, there's a bit more of a sense in a lot of other places where you have properly integrated fare structures that actually rather like your prescription charge in, in, in Britain's NHS, where you, you know, pay the same amount, whatever you're getting. It's just it's a contribution to the system. Yes. That's kind of the understanding of fares in other places, right? And that does need to be a change. Yeah. yeah if there's really going to be proper fare integration that doesn't involve someone losing out and having their fare increase a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and, and that ties into the change that we need to see, <clears throat> that I believe we need to see to enable us to have things like the Klima ticket. Like, like we, we need to get to a point yeah. where you can pay a, essentially pay a subscription to cover off all public transport yeah. regionally and then nationally. It's, it's, that has to be, it, the, the, that has to be an inevitability of the direction we go for paying for public transport in the country. It looks like Germany is actually going to get the 49 euro ticket, yes. the, the, as in the permanent nationwide yeah. nine euro ticket where you pay 49 euros. You have local transport in the whole country. You still pay for intercity, which fair it's enough. Weird German fixation, but fine. You know, it's 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 fine. It's fine as these things go. And yes, that has meant that local areas have had a lot of controversy because they're being asked to kick in more money on what is sort of a nationally determined scheme that mm. national government's taken credit for. And in my opinion, on that one, it's like well. Anything that actually gets regions to spend on public transport instead of probably other stupider things like building more roads. If if politically you can get the regions to actually acquiesce and kick in the money to accept a ticket that's that's a monthly subscription and then public transport, essentially, it's it's like getting in a car in the sense that you aren't thinking about the price when you're getting in. I That's think it's psychology great. we talked about at the start. Exactly. Yeah. It's that you make the whole thing as, as easy yeah. and as, as as predictable and reliable as possible. It's politics. I'm, it's just the subjective argument I make is it's politics worth doing. Yeah. But yeah, I think. And this is just the city regions. You want to actually try and get the regional transport uh, system under sort of regional authorities. There are arguments to do things in a more nationwide way, but at least what you want is regional transport authorities that coordinate the whole of the public transport in their area. And you probably do it by extending the boundaries of the existing PTEs into the areas beyond the, uh, yeah, the immediate Yeah, mapping them more onto area. the travel to work areas you, rather than the yeah. rather than kind of administrative boundaries. Yeah. yeah, you probably also just let Wales and Scotland pursue nationwide uh yeah. devolved networks entirely and you sort of figure out where else you need to uh have new authorities after that's been done federalized england, but federalized england. <laughs> on, on the subject i think like when it comes to the mainline rail network hopefully we can do a thing in that way where 
you regions have the power to make rail good. Yes. Uh, but not the power to make rail bad necessarily. Yeah, that's, and, what that's, I mean by that? and that's that, that balance. And we talked a bit about this yeah. in terms of the structure of dev- of how you devolve power and how you manage power within whatever BR two might end up looking like. And it's it's not that yeah. you just have a single centralized BMOF. Actually, uh, yes, that's good in the sense that you take some power away from Treasury. But actually, in order to make that stick as a policy, it's much harder to it's much easier to demolish that than it is. Uh, you know, uh, ignoring Thatcher's successes uh, or failures, it's easier to demolish that than it is to de- to pull things out of regional devolution that you've given away. Like it is very difficult to yeah. reverse Welsh and Scottish devolution, even though this government might want to do it. Um, Wait, for example, if you're in France and Italy, that there you can kind of see where you have rail devolved to regions, and some of them just don't really bother running many regional trains, and and that's not great. So. Hopefully, if you actually do end up with a some kind of BR2, something along those lines, what it can do is play this role where to, it, it can create a minimum service standard uh, based on a decent clock phase schedule throughout its regional networks, and it actually makes it its policy to have a stable timetable. Right, a stable timetable, a stable timetable, reliable. Can do um, your work around it. Yeah. But yeah, basically, that's that's about the that's, things you can try and do. That's that's it. That's that's what that's what yeah. is happening. That's what can happen and yeah. what what ought to happen um, to integrate transport better, Martha. Um, yeah. We'll come back. To, well, there are no questions because there's no there's nobody here. There's no one here asking there's nobody us questions. Here. And there wouldn't be time anyway. And there wouldn't be time anyway because you have to run. So I very, very rapidly. Yeah, very yeah. rapidly. Um, yeah. Audio-only listeners, thank you for listening. Um, uh, always a pleasure. Available yeah. on good podca- podcasting platforms. Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis. PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis. And GarethDennis.co.uk slash Discord for, respectively, Patreon and supporting this happening. PayPal for abuse and loose change. And the chat continuing ad infinitum. Um i'm plugging martha's twitter account because all sorts of things are happening other things might also be plugged around the time of the episode but go follow martha at at n q r w and one of us will add at the bottom any projects that i'm working on at the time this actually goes out we will add that as a pin to comment or something so do please scroll down hopefully there will be a bit of content maybe some uh decent long form writing on this type of issue that i can link to at the time Ooh. scroll down have a look scroll down have a look we'll tweets will be posted under the tweet the tweet on this thing also that there'll be links in youtube uh, and so on <laughs> yeah. and so forth next week um there will be another episode of rail matter of course because somehow i've managed to keep this thing weekly throughout pat leave uh, but it'll be back i'll be finished my my first bout of a month of pat leave episode 158 live once more there's no such thing as the last mile problem oh it's a, i thought I'd, I'd return with a bang um we're going to talk about the last mile problem and the fact that i don't think it actually exists and uh, or at least not in the way that a lot of people say it does and i think it potentially is a bit of a a bit of an issue uh, a bit of a delay tactic thing a bit like uh, gadget bands and stuff so we're going to tackle I, that i have as been saying this for years oh. and i'm very offended that you didn't get me on to that particular topic <laughs> well of you conversation could you could get into the chat and shout things at me and i will say them because you always have excellent inputs into the chat um uh, always good stuff in the chat martha and you're you're always it's always i'm always pleased when i see you've joined an episode live so hopefully you'll have a chance to join that one live in uh, a week but also a week plus four weeks from now so that'll be nice 
Um, Martha, I'm going to let you go because you, you have to dash across uh, that there city of 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 of, of which uh, you I, live in. Um, I do now have work to go to on the other side of London. Yes, I have to get a number of different tube lines. It's going to be going to be a great you're, you're time. You're going to go and now been... test the theory of what you've been discussing. It has been really good to chat to you, Gareth. It has it has been good to. Uh, Turn parasocial into merely social. Parasocial into social. Yes, a pleasure. Martha, you take care. Everyone else out there, uh, take care of yourselves. And we'll see you soon. Cheerio!